As season two of this podcast picks up steam, I've been asking myself, what good is a comfy chair? My answer, reading, talking, thinking, resting. All of these are about making connections to ideas, friends, and the self. So at the heart of today's conversation will be the idea of connection. And today's guest is a champion of the idea that we can elevate leadership when we connect the mind and the heart, when we lead with emotional intelligence. We plan to spend our time in conversation today about making connections, creating trust, and the importance of clear communication. Josiah, welcome to the Comfy Chairs. Let's take a moment so you can introduce yourself. Hi, Kate. First off, I just want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be a guest on your show. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing regarding leadership and learning. Um, and I think it's kind of natural that we ended up connected mm -hmm. because we're both really aligned on the passion for leadership and also learning. Um, and my journey has really prepared me to launch my own business called 45 Degrees Leadership Development Consulting. And I come to this with a background in public education. I was a leader in education, uh, ultimately a principal of a middle school. There were things going on coming out of COVID that, to be honest, burnt me out regarding yeah. education. There are societal issues that are really at the core of what we're trying to figure out as a country that are pouring in and impacting what goes on in public schools. And I just had enough. And I started to look for a leadership development training position, um, which is what I ultimately did. I left public education and went to the corporate world to launch a first ever leadership development program at a company of 700 employees in 41 states. Majority of people were working remote. And in this company, I was able to really start to see the impact of the balance between driving results and taking care of people. Mm -hmm. And that started me on a path of starting to create my own frameworks and looking at ways that I can teach and equip people to lead today with the challenges of today. And I started to look at my like journey as a leader and engagement is is what I've focused on my whole career. It's connecting with people. The reality is in leadership, you drive results through your people. And the way to do that is through engagement and providing people with meaning and connecting with people and building a team that can drive results. And so that's what led me to launch 45 Degrees. Um, and here I am. Um, engaging, providing training workshops to help leaders connect their head and heart and execute emotional intelligence in their leadership every day. Great. Yeah, you know, Josiah, I'm really tickled to have an educator turned leadership um, coach and consultant with me here in the comfy chairs. You know, that That is the podcast itself. It's about leadership and learning. It's my preoccupation. It's the focus of my own work at 123 LTD. Um, so naturally, I'd like us to talk a little bit about the connection between learning and leading, because I believe they're deeply connected, and I suspect you do as well. Uh, so why don't you start us off with your thoughts? Well, 
I, I'm going to push you a little bit, Kate, because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even know that they're connected as much as they're the same. Okay. I, so, I mean, so you're saying then that if somebody learns they are by default a leader or the other way around, I think it goes both. I think if, okay. if you're learning, you're taking leadership of yourself. Okay. And, and you're choosing to invest and lead yourself down a journey of, of growth and self-development. And on the other side, if you're a leader, you are constantly learning. And that's based on your own ability. That's on what other people need from you as a leader. And so the two are constantly happening simultaneously. And I think are almost, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into a battle as far as um, <laughs> You know, language, but they're, they're almost synonymous in some ways. Well, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think the nuance that I would want to add is that it goes to the quality and the intent. You know, I shared with you that I've been working on a, a framework that right now I'm calling the learning engine that is about leaders as learners, um, that there are, I believe, a set of skills that are necessary for leaders to be successful that are also about how we learn effectively. Cause that's the thing you can, you can have a title of leader and still frankly suck. You can say you're a learner, but never retain anything, not actually like apply or make use of it. Uh, in fact, I think it's true to say that if I don't, use what I learn, I actually haven't learned. But to back up, I, I don't disagree with you that learning and leading are two sides of the same thing. I think the distinction is the focus of where it goes. But one of the reasons I want to talk about the, the learning engine concept that I have is because I think learning is, is driven by, it's fueled by empathy, curiosity, endurance and courage that those are the elements that we need to effectively learn and I think it's good to talk about learning first because we all have experience as learners and that becomes an easy pathway to think about how we lead because leading requires empathy curiosity endurance and courage as well where I think we're essentially on the same page. And to your point, we're probably just using slightly different language. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I really do. And I, I think my question is, in the learning engine, you have the same characteristics that you do in the leading engine, don't you? Yes. Yeah. That's why, so again, that I think they're, I talk about connected as they're two different acts, but you kind of can't have one without the other. Right? Yeah, I agree. And I it's think like, you're your point about purpose, I think learning is really about impact on yourself and leading mm -hmm. is more about impact on others. I like and what I like that. So I think the the crossover though is that you have to enrich and grow and push yourself to learn mm -hmm. in order to increase your impact on others. Yeah. And and so there's so many you know, crossovers and ways that learning and leading intertwine. And that was the the first thing when I saw your your podcast come up in LinkedIn was the comfy chairs. That kind of intrigued me. And then the line about 
learning and leading. And so let's let's get into it. Let's talk about this today because yeah. I'm eager to see where it, where it takes us. Yeah, me too. I think learning and leading are like breath because the the inhale and the exhale are breath. One is the inhalation, you could argue learning, and then leading is the exhalation. Yeah, that's powerful. And you, so you could really, really go a lot of different ways with that. And the fact that my favorite breathing exercise to keep myself self-regulated, which is a part of emotional intelligence, yeah, or any of the ones where the exhale is longer than the inhale, mm-hmm. because physiologically that starts to reduce the cortisol levels that drive stress and the impact. And that was, I originally learned it through box breathing exercises that the Navy SEALs yeah. utilize in, in really, really tough, high stress situations, right? Yeah, which is amazing. You think about here are highest trained, most elite forces, and one of their core practices is breathe in and out. I love things that are simple. It is. Um, yeah, let's let's get into emotional intelligence. We've we've skirted around it. I've talked about empathy. You've talked about self-regulation. I'm going to ask a very obvious question. This is a softball. What does emotional intelligence have to do with leading effectively? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it might be a softball on the surface, but it, it's really, really complex. And yeah. what what led me to this is I need to focus on it. Otherwise, dealing with me is not a great experience. I'm My personality is I'm very fast paced. I love autonomy. I live in the future, big picture, visionary thinker. And when I did my, my assessment of my natural behaviors, the words that describe me with how extreme I am could be belligerent, mm-hmm. uh, vulgar, impatient, hostile. And so I have to slow myself down and I have to focus on executing emotional intelligence. And that to me is the difference is this idea of EQ and emotional intelligence has been around for a while. And there's always discussion about emotional intelligence. And where I hope to add value is not to just talk about it, but to start equipping people to execute it. And at the core of it, my definition is a little bit different because traditionally definitions talk about self-regulation, self-awareness, empathy, all of those pieces that make it up and understanding your emotions and the emotions of others. But I think there's a tremendous opportunity to add on to that and expand and move it from just awareness and understanding of emotions to leveraging emotions in leadership. We are emotional beings and we feel before we think. Mm -hmm. We are always driven. You know, there's tons of research in marketing that people purchase based on emotion and they justify by logic. And that's how we operate. And so as a leader that's required to drive results through other people, it only makes sense that we look to tap into that emotional nature of what makes people people and figure out how to leverage that through a systemic way of frameworks that equip leaders to execute and implement it in every interaction that they have with other people. Just help me understand the difference here, and I suspect that this will become clear as we keep talking, but the difference between leveraging emotion and manipulating people through emotions. So that's that's always a sticky um, topic. I think 
The difference between leveraging and manipulation is who benefits. Okay. And when we talk about leveraging, that means a collective benefit, the group, the organization, the team, more than just me. When I talk about okay. manipulation, I am the only one that's going to win from that. And so they're both motivating, inspiring, and are going to are designed to drive behaviors that produce results. But in leveraging, we're talking about everybody winning together. And in manipulation, we're just talking about me winning. And that to me is the big difference. I also think of like how transparent or public it is. I think a leader that leverages emotions is talking about, I can tell you're really excited about the direction that we're going. Let's talk about how to use that emotion. Whereas a quote unquote leader who the goal is to benefit themselves they're seeing that emotion and they're they're pressing the button to have it play out in the way they want and there's there's no transparency there's no discussion they're not engaging the employee in the conversation about what they feel is that accurate with your framework your model yeah and what that makes me think of is one of if not the most impactful emotions is fear yeah and, and that's real. Like people are driven to do wild and crazy things when fear is at the root of what's driving those actions. And when you talk about manipulation and leadership, there are, we've all experienced leadership by fear yes. and, and what that looks like. And so maybe it's not only just about the results and the benefit, but also the intent and the purpose mm-hmm. of, of the, the, the reason for leveraging those emotions, I think, I think you really tapped into it. It's, it's complex. Yeah. And to me at the root of it is really, you know, the, the intrinsic definition of good, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we're talking about fear and manipulation and individual winning versus the team, you know, those, we start to talk about greed and selfishness And when we look at, you know, bringing a group of people to achieve a common goal that we are transparent, authentic about, and constantly seeking to bring clarity and alignment to the motivation of why we all need to move this way, Mm -hmm. that's leveraging emotions versus manipulation to me. Within the context of talking about emotional intelligence, if it's grounded in awareness of self, empathy, relationship management, then you're you're protecting yourself from the attraction of manipulation because somebody that's applying empathy with self-awareness and with care and concern for the, the other person, which is what EQ is supposed to give us, um, it protects from the act of manipulating. You know, we're throwing around emotional intelligence a lot and I'm guessing most of my listeners are familiar with it as a concept or framework. I think it would be wise though for us to hit pause and actually define our terms <laughs> briefly. Yeah. And I'll I will um I'll unfairly put the burden of that on you. <laughs> so the at the most basic root of it, the you know, the dictionary definition talks about the capacity to be aware of and control and express your own emotions. Uh, and then to handle interpersonal relationships empathetically and judiciously. Yeah. And so that's 
what you find in the dictionary. That's been expanded on, you know, adding in self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, social skills. Um, there's, you know, they talk about the different areas of awareness, self uh, awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship mm -hmm. management. And so, you, you know, at the root of it, when you look at the, the dictionary definition, it, it's about being aware, controlling, and expressing your own emotions in a way that doesn't impact others in a negative way. Yep. And and so that's, I guess, kind of what I've off like operated as a base. And then I've, you know, expanded on that to not just be aware of it, but to be aware of it in a way that we can then leverage it to achieve results. I wanted to go back to something you, you talked about getting interested in emotional intelligence because of who you are. I found some of your LinkedIn articles and I really enjoyed the one about the cost of sarcasm. And I think you're, that tells a story on yourself. It sounds like you had a wake up call. Is that accurate? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so this, this is a bigger piece. We, we have to kind of dive into, you know, the generational studies of what's going on in the world today with different age groups and different generations. And I am really kind of a generational orphan. Okay. And the fact that I was born in 1979, I think I'm kind of the cusp of generational things in that a lot of my life, not all of it was with technology, but then also at the same time from the Gen X side, the sarcasm, the um, kind of bleak outlook, that's real and that's a part of who I am. And I'm also at the same time, I, I played football. I coached football at the high school level. Mm -hmm. I'm an offensive lineman. As an okay. offensive lineman, we only get attention when we really, really mess up. And that breeds a tremendous amount of sarcasm. And, okay. and that's that's who offensive linemen are. They're gonna, they're loyal, they don't want credit, they're gonna work, they're gonna grind, they're gonna put themselves out there, they're gonna have fun doing it, and it's gonna be real. Like it it's mm -hmm. it's hard, it's not fun. And so mm -hmm. let's joke about it and get through it. And so all of those things kind of formulated into this, I'm very, very outgoing. And there's also this extreme sarcasm side that I've grown up with. And when you add into it the power dynamic of a title mm -hmm. in the workplace, sarcasm does not land well at all. Not without a relationship already firmly in place. Yeah. And even with the relationship, there's always times where I felt it from my manager of, you know, they said this and laughed, but is there some truth to that? It, are mm -hmm. they really trying to tell me something? Because that uncertainty and that uneasiness just breeds angst and worry and concern. Sarcasm is, is not... <laughs> a way to to drive results like yeah in in informal social relationships people may appreciate it and people may find it funny when there's a power dynamic associated with it some people might find it funny for a little bit but at the same time there's a cost associated with that and it's just not worth it yeah. to to risk that cost if you're serious about leading in a productive way that drives results 
and protects the dignity of others. And that's real. It's time and place. And the time and place is always dependent upon what is my relationship with the people and how are we relating? What's the context of that relationship right now? And what I experienced was people that I was leading that I had very, very good relationships with. When mm -hmm. I would use sarcasm talking about something like their professional sports team. Yeah. It was okay. Uh-huh. The minute I started to use sarcasm that involved them, or even worse, something they were involved with in the workplace as mm -hmm. their leader, it was not productive. And so what kind of what what I chose was I'm gonna default on like the, you know, I'm going to evaluate risk. Right. And so mm -hmm. if I don't yeah. use sarcasm, there's no risk. Right. Yeah. If I do use sarcasm, I don't know how big of the risk is, but I know there is a risk that it has yeah. a negative impact. So let's just eliminate it and, and try to move forward. And, and that was, you know, that I, I I'm still not perfect on that. Right. Like I'm, I am yeah. who I am. And you get to be human. Correct. And, and so it's a, it's a work in progress for me, but I think that the lesson is the learning for others is, is not necessarily to say, okay, today I'm going to eliminate sarcasm as a leader. Just be aware of it mm -hmm. and make a decision that's best for you as a leader and best for your team and the people that you're leading. But just, it, it's reflecting on little interactions like that. Yeah. That's how you start to execute emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. It's weird to talk about this very, uh, this very like economic business approach when we're talking about leadership relationships, but you have to do a cost benefit analysis. Things like sarcasm usually have more cost than benefit. But I just want to add one thing, Kate, is it mm -hmm. always comes back to this is I, I heard um, Nick Saban, who just retired may go down as the greatest college football coach ever. He retired as the head coach at Alabama. He talked about, you know, people and interactions. He he said this, he said, everybody is selling something. And I started to think about that when I heard it. And it, it's really true. And you start to think about, you know, when, when you go to buy a book, you've, I've, I've never, I don't know if you ever have, I've never bought a book that says on the front cover, best writing author. <laughs> Right. What what does it say, Kate? Best selling. Best selling author. And everything that we do, whether it's writing a book or it's, you know, talking with your spouse or working with your kids or me as a teacher, I quickly realized every day I was in front of that classroom, I was selling mm -hmm. a reason why these kids need to pay attention. Why, like you're always, always selling. And so when you're looking at leadership, you're always selling. You're always selling yourself, your vision, your mission, your your choices. Everything you do is selling and selling is taken on this negative connotation. And it doesn't need to be that because there's been a drastic, drastic shift that I've experienced in sales. I And so I was in sales before I went into education. Now I'm back in a large sales role as a founder of my own company where I'm like explicitly selling, right? Not implicitly selling, kind of like I referenced before. And sales is different now. And Mark Cuban said it. He said, once you understand that sales is about helping people solve a problem rather than convincing people of something, 
you will be successful in sales. And so when you start to look at leadership as, yeah, I'm selling something, but am I selling it to convince or am I selling to help solve a problem? That's a different lens, right? It is. Donald Miller, who is a great writing author, but also best-selling, um, he talks about the hero story, that you make the the customer, the client, the hero. Selling is storytelling. Let's kind of get ourselves recentered because I don't I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about some of the framework that you've been building out. And I want to get us back to connection. Yeah. Not not an actual question, but just making you know, opening up that opportunity for you to talk about connection and the other elements of how you believe leadership can do its best work. Yeah. So the root of it is that we are wired to connect. It, and it's not just humans. You see it all over in nature where mm-hmm. there's connection that's needed everywhere in, in beings. And so when we look at leadership and the idea that we're going to you know, work with others and lead others and inspire others to produce a result that benefits the group. We need connection to do that. And when you look at connection in, in my model, that's the leadership model. That's the foundation. That's the base. It starts with connection. And I look at connection as an awareness of yourself and then an awareness of others. And when you really, really understand yourself and you understand others, you can start to connect, but that has to get raised a level to drive results. And that comes through time and access and visibility and working together. And when you spend that time together, you're transferring connection to chemistry, which chemistry is going to give us an ability to kind of have an idea of what you're going to say before you say it, what choice you're going to make before you make the choice. And when we have the awareness of ourselves and each other and the time, we start to get this synergy that leverages and indexes connection into chemistry, which then puts us in a position to talk about competence, which is the skill to deliver. And competence used to be the the number one piece of leadership, right? You could, mm-hmm. you could execute, you could accomplish tasks. And so we're going to promote you to a leadership role, even though you may or may not have any idea what it means to lead people, but we're going to give you the title, right? And that's how this is operated. And so my leadership model is connection. On top of that is chemistry. And on top of that is competence. And you always want to lead with connection before competence, because it's rooted in the quote from Maya Angelou that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And connection and chemistry show how much you care before you show how much you know, which is competence. What I'm liking as I listen and I get to understand the model a little bit more, Josiah, is obviously it's the interpersonal connection, the relationships, but there's also like the act of connecting people to the work. I worked in healthcare before coming into consulting, we talked a lot about connection to the mission. And part of the work of leading, not just in mission-driven organizations, is connecting people to the work as well. Do they understand the purpose? Do they understand the goals? 
And theoretically, what you can then develop is chemistry between the people and the jobs that they hold, their responsibilities, you know, their annual goals, whatever that is. And that's where then their competence can come in to play. Yeah. So it's the how we are together, but then am I connecting you to the work to ke- to create chemistry between your skills, your ability, your passion, your personal purpose, and the larger picture purpose as well? Yeah, and, and when that happens, there's one word I think that you could use to define what work is to that person, and it's meaningful. Yeah. And there's all kinds of research. I'm connected with Tamara Miles on LinkedIn, who is a researcher on meaning at work and the importance of meaning at work. And when you start to take somebody and their person and connect that to the outcome of the organization, that's meaningful to them. And that's where you get buy-in and investment that ultimately drives results. Well, that's a big part of where we need to head is not connecting people to a job or a pay rate, but connecting them to that deeper meaning. It's one of the things that is part of, you know, the term future of work gets tossed around all the time. I was doing some reading last night uh, where the author was very clear that she wants us to stop using that term. And I agree with her. And there's also a place for it sometimes. But if we're going to have a future of work, it's getting people more deeply connected to meaning. And the future is now. Yes, it definitely is. We're uh, we're well into the future of work. <laughs> All right. So I know that some of the material you shared with me, the connection, chemistry, and competence, at that time you were when you were writing those first thoughts, that was what you referred to as your trust equation. It sounds like the last time we talked that you've, that's evolved to some for you. Is that accurate? Because what, what I'm trying to understand is where does trust come in? So their trust, it often comes up as the number one factor of a high performing team. Uh, lots of leadership experts talk about trust and and that being the core element of a high-performing team, a superlative team. And so I started to look at my leadership model and the idea of connection, chemistry, and competence. And then I started to look at, you know, how would you deliver? How would you execute trust? And the equation that I came up with is connection, plus chemistry, plus competence, equals trust. And so at the root of my leadership model is a way to lead, to build trust, which is the core element of high-performing teams. And so if you lead in the way that is rooted in the 45 Degrees Leadership Development model, trust is a byproduct of that leadership model And the way that you drive that and facilitate that is through human interaction. And that's communication, which is the the training that I'm offering now is communicate to connect. And that is how we interact. So we take that leadership model and then we communicate and engage with people to execute emotional intelligence, to connect the head and the heart, 
and to facilitate and build trust to lead to high-performing teams that deliver exceptional results in the area of employee engagement and then profitability. If you don't have the one, the other will suffer. Get the employee experience right and they will get the customer experience right. That's a mm -hmm. quote that I've heard before. The other one is build your people and your people will build your business. Yep. And and all of it's related, right? Yeah. So tell me about communication. What makes for great communication? So again, you know, it's looking at moving from talking about this to executing this. And so what I've created is is called the clear framework, the clear communication framework. And this framework will build clarity in your leadership. And so the first piece of it is conscious and it's about you as the leader and your mindset. And we're looking at, you know, seeing where you're at as a leader, you got things going through your head like crazy. You're thinking about the yeah. next meeting, prepared, all this stuff. And all of a sudden this person comes up to you and says, Hey, got a second. Every leader's worst fear. Yeah. And that's real. And so you, you have to exercise your ability to analyze, you know, your, your, your mindset you're, and you're checking the C, the conscious, your mindset. Are you able to be present? And we look at being present, that's mentally, physically, and emotionally. And if you're not, that's fine. Say, Hey, you know, I'm busy right now. Lots of stuff going on. You are very, very important to me. I want to be able to give you my full headspace and attention can we please set up a time to connect? And you ask them to set that. If you can be present, then you continue on and engage in the communication. And so then we get to listen, um, which is all the stuff you hear about all the time, the, the physical, you know, nonverbal eye contact, mm -hmm. body language. And I really, really get into the, the power of questions. And, and you touched on humility before in, in your engine of learning. When we talk about asking questions, there's two pieces we need to lean in, and that's curiosity and humility. Mm -hmm. And first off, humility, we oftentimes want to share our experiences or our insights because we feel that it builds connection. You know, somebody says, you're not going to believe what happened to me to tell you a story, and I immediately say, whoa, I got to tell you this. This exact same thing happened to me. And we think we're building connection, but what did I just change that conversation to who's it about now you move you take the spotlight yeah it's, it's about me and and we we all do this and we don't do it because of ill will it's just natural and so humility is allow it to be about them and then the curiosity piece is there's a study out of england average kid three to five years old asks 396 questions a day that's awesome that the average adult awesome. asks, the average adult asks how many questions do you think kate 32. 14. 14. 14 questions a day. Oh, so ashamed of us. <laughs> well, it, it it goes back to humility though, too, in mm -hmm. that we feel like we know we've been educated, we have experiences. And so we don't have to ask questions. We don't have to get curious. And so the way to really, really get curious and to have rich conversations is to avoid the why questions. And ask the how and the what questions. Let me put a little footnote in. There's a book that I think, if you've not already encountered, I believe you would really enjoy. It's called Beginners by Tom Vanderbilt. It's all about lifelong learning. He actually starts with 
um, going to a research center where they're studying children learning to walk. And it's, yeah, I think you would enjoy it given your background and some of the things you're sharing with me. Yeah, no, I'll look into that. We've often heard that listening to respond is, is not what we should do. We should listen to understand. And I'm raising that one level. Listening to understand isn't enough anymore. We should be listening to empathize. Okay. And as we're engaging in humility and curiosity, we're listening for a couple things. First, we all come to a conversation with experiences. As we're listening, we're listening for people to share experiences. And they they do this. People do this all the time, right? Like, you know, I said, hey, I'm sorry I'm late. You know, I was having car problems this morning. And I'm not going to tell you this, but the problems with my car was that I wasn't in my car. And that's why I'm late. <laughs> and, and then the the key piece is this. We're listening for needs, challenges, and objectives. And as we're listening for those, we're asking ourselves, have I made these harder or easier for that person? And that's how you start to execute listening to empathize. In this model, you've already now engaged the head and the heart, which have to come first before you're in the position to engage your jaw. And that's where I get into talking about the balance of care and candor and how to do that so you can drive results because this isn't all lovey-dovey kumbaya stuff. We are going to drive results while protecting the dignity of others. And you do that through the recipe of care and candor and then being conscious of your intent matching your impact. Mm -hmm. And when you start to communicate in that way, you have engaged the head, the heart, and the jaw. And the final piece is to reflect. And we leave conversations all the time saying, I wish I said this, I should have said that, I could have said this. And you actually have to deliberately calendar time to reflect on communication to get better at it. That's anything you want to get better on. You have to reflect. You have to go back and look at what went well, what didn't, an after action review. The same is true with your communications as a leader every single day. And so when you start to execute this conscious, listen, empathize, act, and reflect, you are now communicating and interacting in a way that allows you to connect, build chemistry, share competence, build trust, leverage results, protect the dignity of those involved. And you're starting with the development of the person. And as you develop an increased capacity of individuals across your team, there's only one logical thing that's going to happen if every individual gets better. The team is also going to get better. Mm -hmm. All right, Josiah, that's all super easy to do. What's the, what's the hang up? Why don't we all do it? There's a couple of things. One is time. Okay. You know, as a leader, you are pressed for time. And, you know, yeah, I hear all the time, you know, you want me to conscious before I communicate. I don't have time for that. Like people are coming up to me asking questions. I'm asking you for about 1.5 seconds. Mm -hmm. That's Preach. all it takes. You come up to me. Hey, I think to myself, am I in a place to talk to this person right now? Yes or no. And you are, that is called self-awareness. That is called self-regulation. That is called things that we talked about originally in the definition of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And so we're not just talking about awareness. 
We're now talking about indexing and leveraging and executing, right? And so the time thing, you have time for your people. You have time to check your consciousness. You have time to ask questions. And if you are not doing those things, you're going to have all kinds of time because you're not going to be leading for long. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go back. You know, yes. What, what you're proposing, the stuff that works, it is simple. It is beautifully elegant. And that doesn't mean that it's easy. So it was people who have studied leadership, who have strong opinions about this is what works. I, I think it's important for us to acknowledge we're not asking you to do anything that's wildly time consuming, that's wildly complicated, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy every day. So I'm curious as you coach and train people, what are you see if I can say this the way I want to. What is your, what is your coaching to leaders to make this habitual? So with, with anything like this, it often starts in your personal life. And so I talk a lot about how this, you know, yeah, you're, you're doing this training for your professional life. Human interaction happens every day, personal, professional. It, it doesn't matter what role you're in or what hat you're wearing. You're going to have to interact. And so what oftentimes happens, and I experienced this with some really, really powerful mindset training that I went through um, with the Arbinger Institute. And I started to implement it in my personal life for a couple of reasons. One, it's a lot safer. Mm. There, if, if I mess up something talking to my wife, it's not as high stakes as if I mess up when I'm leading people in the workplace. You start to implement personally, and then it starts to transfer into professional. And so in, in coaching and in training, I talk often about, you know, try this where you got an easy on-ramp and off-ramp. And so there's plenty of runway we can get on and we can get right off if things aren't going well. And so that may be a personal relationship. That may be some of your closest confident at work professionally, but start small and, and focus on one or two things that are relevant and critical to your growth, specific to where you're at. 100%. I agree. It's, it's all tiny choices, tiny goals. That's what gets us from here to there. We, as much as we want to take the big leap, and uh, the full holistic change, it takes time. Which we keep coming back to, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I follow um, John Acuff, another author and speaker. And in a, an online talk recently, he discussed time. He's like, this is, this is the common denominator of getting better at all the things is time. And I think for, for humans, but in this context for leaders, it's recognizing that time is, it's a commodity. It may feel like the enemy, but the little changes, the little successes to your point earlier, it doesn't take hours to determine, can I be present or not? It takes half a second. 
It's the commitment to use that time that matters. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier that you're doing training right now, Communicate to Connect. Uh, that launched this month, right? So I've been doing, so there's a, there's a couple ways that I provide training. Okay. One is, is business to business. And so I've been doing business to business training um, since like November. Okay. And in that there's, there's a couple options. There's a keynote speaking engagement. There's workshops, uh, which the one that I do most often is called leading with impact, communicate to connect, which is a lot of what I just talked with you about. And then there's one-on-one -on -one coaching and that's the business to business side. The part that I'm most excited about though, is, is the me to you element of my business. That's going to be launching here within the next couple of weeks. I have a digital course that is going to be available the beginning of March on leading with impact, communicate to connect. That's and exciting. That, yeah. And so that's, that's going to be a whole new area of allowing individuals access to this, to these workshops and to this training um, and to be able to purchase and consume at their own pace and at their own rate. And then with that is also going to come other workbooks, journals, things to facilitate that growth as far as executing the leadership model, the communication model, and then also one-to-one -one coaching. I'm going to, I'm looking to start to get into for individuals. And so all of that is going to be coming in, in March and I'm super, super excited about that. And then the future of what this looks like is expanding the clear framework into all of the areas of leadership. I am currently working on a clear conflict resolution model, oh. a clear teaching model. Um, and I can teach any leadership skill within that clear framework because no matter what it is you're trying to do as a leader, you need to be conscious of your mindset. You need to listen. You need to empathize. You need to reflect. Spot on. Those are the foundation. It's price of entry, isn't it? Really is. We've, we've thrown out a couple of names and, um, and books and researchers. I'm curious, Josiah, are there, are there any resources that you recommend over and over again? Yeah. And I touched on it already is the, the Arbinger Institute. Okay. Which is out of Salt Lake City. And their focus is on mindset and seeing people as people who matter just like you. And it is the most powerful and impactful leadership development training I ever participated in. I was certified as a facilitator and, and facilitated their content. And that's one. And then the other one is the um is is really just kind of looking at the stuff from uh, a gentleman named Tim Kite that has really, really shaped a lot is, of who I am. Is it's, Tim Kite spelled like go fly a? Yeah, and it's it's focus three is the name of the company. And Tim Kite's big on the E plus R equals O. So the event plus response equals outcome. Yeah. And that gets thrown around oftentimes. But to me, he is elite at teaching 
the importance of the only thing in the event response outcome that you control is your response. And if you want a better outcome, get a better response. And so that's his framework that he's done a ton of work and has worked. You know, I first heard of him of a, it's kind of funny. It was, he had a podcast with urban Meyer who was oh, yeah. the legendary football coach at Ohio state. Well, we, we love good Ohio people around here. Uh, but really, really powerful content, even though they are from Ohio and me being from Wisconsin, it's tough, 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 tough to give compliments <laughs> to the Buckeyes. Hey, we are the heart of it all. We are getting close to time, sir. So I am going to ask some wrap up stuff of you. I'd like us to reflect on our conversation and share our takeaways. What are, let's say, two big ideas that you'd like to highlight? The first one I want to highlight is just how hard it is to be in a leadership position today. The world is so complex. Change is happening so rapidly. Change is happening constantly to the point where it's almost impossible for governments or organizations to keep up with how fast change is occurring. People are different. You see it in the way people interact with restaurant servers, baristas at Starbucks, law enforcement officers. We've been through a lot since March of 2020 when the, the pandemic started. And so people are just different. And with all of this as a leader, you are responsible for leading others, moving people forward. And that's really, really hard. And a lot of people, we are at what I call a leadership crisis where people do not want to lead right now. Mm -hmm. I hear professionals saying, I just want to go to work and do my job. I don't want the politics, drama, negativity of having to lead others. I just want to show up and go home and get a paycheck. And so all of this is hard and people are con consistently avoiding the risk and responsibility of leadership. And so what I'm here to tell you is that it's hard and the only way you can succeed is through others. And the collective diversity of thought, diversity of skill, and combining that and leveraging the intellectual horsepower of a group of people is the only way to win today. And the only way to maximize, optimize, leverage others is through human connection. So let's go. I'm here to help. Something I wrote down that you said pretty early on is we are wired to connect. And I agree 100% with you. Leadership is hard. It's hard at the best of times because it requires that constant vigilance of self-awareness, of paying attention to other people, of big picture, small picture, constant toggling. Anyone who enters a leadership role thinking it's going to be a breeze is sorely mistaken. And we forget as we go into those hard roles that we are in fact wired to be with each other. We are wired for that connection, whether it's to other humans, to our environment, to the work that we do. And if we can help leaders, if people like us who want to come alongside leaders to make it easier for them, if we can help them remember that our own nature is an instrument for how we lead, I think what we're going to be able to do through that connection, we'll be able to leverage not just people's emotional connection, 
but their abilities and capabilities, what they can do and what they will do to be able to be successful. And there are so many problems facing how we do work right now. I think what leaders and the people helping leaders need to start paying attention to is clearing the decks. We need to create a clean slate so we can get to those essential things like how we connect with each other, basic awareness of ourselves and others to be able to then do the hard work. But our human nature is perhaps the key to us being successful now and going forward. I absolutely agree. You look at back at history, the biggest wins in the history of human civilization have come when a group of people are aligned and clear on where they want to go. And that is provided by a leader. Yeah. It's about that group of people that put the effort forward. They may look to a leader for direction, but as leaders, we have to remember, we're not trying to get into the history books. We're trying to get our people from point A to point B. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the training that you've got coming out. March is going to be a big month for you. Uh, is there anything else you want to share that you have on the horizon? Uh, that's really it. I would encourage people to uh, give me a follow on LinkedIn. I'm posting content daily. And and I encourage you to engage and share your voice. Uh, it's really, really exciting. The community that's being built on LinkedIn and, and some of the people that show up and show out every day to support me and support my message and to support my cause. And so anybody that's listening, Josiah Plato, 45 Degrees Leadership, find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect. Let's engage. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you a little caution. Only engage if you are obsessed with growth, laser focused on innovation, and want to change the world. Well, I'm glad we're already connected, sir. All right, kid. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciated the conversation and I look forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much to the audience and the comfy chair. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe leave a rating or review, or share it with others. You'll find Comfy Chairs updates and other thoughts on leadership and learning on Instagram at 123limited. That's O-N-E-2-3-L-T-D.